Well, thank you, Pastor Justin. My name is Pastor Matt Shackelford, and uh, it is a great joy to come to you today. I hope you're uh, nice and warm today. Hope that you've got a fire in the fireplace going, and you've got your Bible out in front of you with a cup of coffee and your pink bunny slippers, and you're ready to go. And so if you have your Bible, I want to invite you now to take it, and let's open up to James chapter 4. I want to tell you why we're there. How were you at planning? Uh, how are you at foreseeing what is coming and, and preparing for that? How are you at planning out the living of your, your days? I have discovered that uh, I'm not very, very good at it, uh, at least in the past couple of years. I mean, who, who would have ever dreamed that we would have a national pandemic last this long? Who would have ever dreamed that the things that have happened in the past couple of years here at Central Church, or let's go further, maybe the past five years, maybe the past decade, who would have ever planned for all of those things to happen? Well, that's the truth of life. We're not very good at, at planning. And uh, even when it comes to today, I've been texting with leaders and uh, the senior team all week long. And uh, even just this morning, uh, we were just sort of thinking about this winter plan and what would we do if it snowed? Would we cancel church? Would we do a late start? What would we do? Would we just do it online? And, and when we started seeing churches closed down today, and I woke up and I saw uh, several inches of snow, maybe one, or, I don't even know if it was one or two inches of snow, but it was enough that no one in my neighborhood was, was out and about. And uh, Tim Clay drove up to the church. And, and just to give you a picture of this, last night we were texting, and the last text that, that Tim Clay sent me was, well, it doesn't seem like the weather's bad enough to close. And all of a sudden, that completely changed in, in just a few hours. And today we're meeting virtually online. And it turns out that when I think about the living of my days, when I think about the living of my life, I'm not real good at planning. I'm not real good at forecasting where I'll be tomorrow. And I think that's a reality we've got to come to grips with, uh, that even though we're not here in person today, this is God's will. This is God's A plan. And so the question is, how do we respond to that? How do we, how do we live that way? You see, when I think about things not going the way that I planned them to go, I, I think the truth is I tend to respond very poorly, and you do too. We get frustrated, we get angry, um, we sort of get, get bitter, or we'll even lash out. We'll yell at our family, we'll kick the dog, we'll do whatever we tend to do to express our frustration when God's plans are, are different than our plans. And that happens a lot in life. It will happen when a family member that you didn't expect to die or even to get sick, um, it'll happen when that unforeseen event comes to your family and you've got a family member in the hospital. It'll happen when you get sickness and you, met, you miss a major life event that you were planning to be at. Many of you have told me that even this past week you've gotten COVID. In fact, we had one of our pastors on staff. He was planning on a trip. He was planning on a mission trip, and he wasn't able to go because his family got COVID, and it's just going around. You and I plan on all sorts of things, and, 
And they don't come true because God has other plans. Nobody plans to get sick. Nobody plans to miss massive life events. Nobody plans on getting cancer at age 35. Nobody plans on debilitating disease. Nobody plans on loss. And when God's plans don't match our plans, what tends to happen is that we question God we get frustrated, we get bitter, we turn inward on ourselves, and instead of releasing our plans to the Lord, we hold tight to them, and we struggle with God's sovereignty. Just the other day, we had an elders meeting. This was on Tuesday night, and the topic that I, I wanted to talk to our elders about was practical atheism. It's a brand new year, 2022. We had lots of plans as elders. I mean, we were just going through all of the task forces, all of the things that we wanted to accomplish. I think we had like six task forces laid out that we wanted to accomplish for the next year, and we were just walking through them. Okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. But at the very beginning, I gave this Bible study, and I said, we've got to just, we've got to reorient our thoughts that we'll do these things if the Lord if the Lord says the same, if the Lord allows. And so we hold our plans very lightly. And I never dreamed that when we were talking about that Tuesday night, we would be meeting virtually today. I never dreamed that that would be the, the reality that, that we were have. I never dreamed that I would actually be tested on the thing that I was, that I was challenging our elders to. We tend to live like practical atheists. Let me put this slide up on the screen. What is practical atheism? Well, it's the view that we should, we should live our life with a disregard towards God's will. And that's, that's what practical atheism is. It's not that you don't believe in God. It's that you live like God doesn't exist. You live like God's will should never trump your will. Practical atheism does not reject or accept claims about, about God. It's the idea that, yes, there is a will, but our will should win out. We live like God's will doesn't exist. And so today, what I want to do, if you're just joining us, I, I want to press pause on our regular series. We've been in the book of Luke, and I know there will be many people who miss this sermon, and so I want to save that uh, for next time. And uh, this morning, as I got into the office, uh, I got here around uh, 7.30, and I said, you know what, let's just embrace what God's doing. Let's just embrace this strange day, this snow day, and let's just talk about our decision, and let's talk about our will and how that interacts with God's will. And to do that, I want to look at James chapter 4. This is a great passage. It's one that you and I ought to look at every single year. And if I could sum up our sermon today, I would say it this way, in James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, because tomorrow is a gift and a mystery, we ought to plan to hold our plans very lightly. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. It's a gift. It's a mystery. Life is short. But you are not God. 
And you and I need to live in this place of entrusting our will to God's will. We need to hold our plans very lightly. We need to hold them like this and not like this. Not a, not a strong grip, not demanding our way, but, but releasing our will to the Lord. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And we're going to be in James 4. If you have a Bible, would you just stand right where you are, even if you're all sitting as a family on the couch or if you're, you're in different chairs in the living room, would you just do this? Because the Word of God has authority over our lives, would you just stand and let's read it right now wherever you're watching from. James chapter 4, verse 13. It says this, great passage for a new year. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Uh, do, do you hear the central question here? Let's just pause there for a second. Let's consider that. He's asking us to consider, to evaluate our life, the living of our days, the living of our life. Let's just think about our life for a second. And then he says this, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And so today we're going to talk about this, this sin that we're so prone to of presumptive living, of practical atheism. Before you sit down, I want you just to consider the context of this. Uh, James is a book uh, that was written to the church in Jerusalem, and it was a very, well, it was a church of, of fighters. It was a church that was, had a little problem with, with pride. In fact, in chapter 4, James is going to give this call to humility, and he's going to say God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Anybody want a little, a little grace today? Do you want God's grace on your life? He's going to show us that we need to humble ourselves in the planning and the living out of our days. We need to hold our plans like this, not like this, so that we can, we can experience the blessing of God in the living out of our days. So may God bless the reading, the preaching of His Word, you may be seated. Today I want to give you three ways to plan your future. That's the, the title of today's sermon. I want to talk about planning your future. And I want to be reminded that Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, it, it says a lot about the living out of our days. In fact, it says that our times are in God's hands, that there's a, a time to live, there's a time to, to die, and He makes all things beautiful in His time. It's about His plans. It's about His times. And, and there's a time that we have to be uh, we have to understand, that we have to consider as we walk forward in our life. We are not the masters of our own fates. You and I are not the captain of our own soul. It's about His plans. It's about His times. And I, I think we really struggle with that. I just want to just confess my own sin to you in that area. Uh, frustrated uh, over the past couple of years, very frustrated, and I think we all have been at times. Isn't that true? 
We've all been frustrated over the meetings that have been missed, the fellowship that's been missed. Uh, I, I'm a very extroverted personality, just, just the way that the Lord has built me. And I'll, I'll be honest, the past two years have been a, a struggle. I, I like being around people. I like having people in our home. And, and, and that's been a struggle not to have that going on every month. And it, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. And the question comes… How surrendered are we to God's will, or are we still demanding our own will? That's what we have to decide today. Let me give you three very simple ways to plan for our future, and this is one of those sermons I need to hear every single year. It's a great New Year's sermon that's good at the turning of a new year, and we're pretty close to the New Year's, and so let's walk through that. Let me give you three points. Number one, first of all, as we plan our future, we need to consider life's mystery. We need to consider life's mystery. And that's what we see in verses 13 and verse 14. This this overwhelming sense that life's a mystery, that you don't understand. You don't know what's coming next. And, And the problem is we tend to live that way. You and I both, we tend to live like we know what's coming tomorrow and my will be done. And, and that's really how we tend to live our life. This passage starts with this group, and it's, it's almost comical because you can almost picture these guys. They're all sitting in a room together. It's, it's the board of directors. It's a group of businessmen, and they're sort of oblivious to God's will. They're making their own plans. They're making their own uh, purposes for the future, and they're planning out a year's worth of business. They're planning for success. How many of you are planners? I hope you all are. I don't think this is knocking good planning, but a certain kind of planning. In verse 13, he says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into this or that town and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. All kinds of plans going on in this verse. They plan the time. They plan when they're going to go, today or tomorrow. They plan the the location, right? They're going to go into such and such a town and spend a year there. They spend, they even plan the duration of their, their stay. So such and such a town, then they, they plan how long they're going to stay there, a year there, and then they're going to trade. They're, that's their activity. They're planning their trade, what they're going to do. And then these guys have planned it so well, they've even, they've even planned the outcome. They're going to make a profit. These are just business guys, like many of you. They've planned out every detail. And so the question comes, what is going on here? Is, is James planning our, or is James criticizing our planning or our tendency to plan? I don't think that's the problem. I happen to enjoy good planning. In fact, the Bible, the Bible never makes a lack of planning a virtue. In fact, the Bible seems to applaud good planning. It was Joseph who planned for those years of famine. It was, it was the Proverbs. Solomon gives his wisdom to his sons, and we're filled with all sorts of examples of, of good leadership. We look at the ant, and the ant is storing up food for the, the winter, and And Solomon extols the virtues of good planning. Just this last week, we had a calendar planning meeting on Monday. We had the senior team all together. We were planning out all the events for the next year. 
I gathered up the pastors. We were planning out the next sermon series. I I think that's really good. We're looking at artwork. We're looking at t-shirts. We're looking at all sorts of things so that we can make the next season of ministry really good here. That's not what what He is actually putting down. He's not putting down our tendency to plan. It's not He's not saying just be reckless. That's, that's not the idea. I hope you have plans for the next year. I hope you have family plans. Fathers, I hope you're planning to disciple your children. Um, mothers and fathers, I, I, I pray that you're, you're planning to raise up the next generation. I, I pray that, fathers, you're, you're planning on making good business decisions so that you can provide for your family. I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said, when you fail to plan, you, you plan to fail. That's not the issue. The issue is that these guys, these men, these businessmen are making all their plans, but, but they've, left out, they've left out something very important. They've left out Jesus Christ. They've left out the Master, the Sovereign King, the Lord of all. They've got no prayer. They're very self-reliant. We're going to do this. It's almost as if they're saying, my will be done. And they've got no consideration that there is a sovereign will over their own will. They've got no attention to it at all. They're not even praying. One of the great passages in the New Testament that I love is Mark chapter 9, verse 14. It's a bit of a strange story, but, but it's that story where the disciples are they're going out, and Jesus has now sent them out to do ministry, and He sent them out to, to sort of talk to and minister to the public and, and also to cast out demons as they're preaching the gospel, and He sends them out, and they encounter a, a demon that they can't, they can't get out of a young boy. And so the father of the boy brings this boy to Jesus, and, and Jesus is annoyed at his disciples. In fact, he looks at his disciples and says to them, how long do I have to put up with you? And Jesus says that in front of them, almost as if they're an illustration to the crowd of what not to be like. Very awkward moment. Jesus ends up casting out the demon, and then the disciples sort of pull Jesus over to the side and say, now why is it that we couldn't cast out the demon? And Jesus says, look, it's because you weren't praying and you weren't acting in faith. You weren't believing. I think that's us a lot of times. We live in this place of self-reliance, this place of pride. When we consider the living out of our days, we haven't prayed over our plans. We haven't submitted them to the Lord in faith, and we really try to do things on our own. What this is saying, this passage is ministering to our hearts this morning, and this is saying just consider how, how limited you are. I mean, you're, you're a very… Uh, life is a mystery that you don't understand. And, and when God changes your plans, it's not a time to get angry or frustrated. We're to hold our plans very loosely. Don't slip into depression. Don't be rude to your family. Hold your plans loosely and submit them to the Lord. John Chancellor is a, a name that you might recognize. He was one of the political uh, and really one of the news outlets uh, reporters on, the, on national news for NBC. He was the guy who came up with the red states and the blue states during election cycles. 
It's an interesting thing. At age 67, it was really a sweet spot for him. He had climbed the ladder. He was at the top of his game. He was respected. He was on every, every night on the evening news, and, and he had made it. He had worked his whole life for this. And then he received the news that he had stomach cancer, which, as you know, is one of the, the most deadly forms of, of cancer. And he never dreamed that he would actually be sick and and die. Sickness, boy, that's, that's something that none of us ever expect to happen to us. Disease, sickness, that's, that's something that other people get. That's not something that I get. That's, that's something that they get. And we never, we never even expect that someone else would have different plans. Eventually, Chancellor came to the grips of his situation and he said this line, I love it. He said, if you want to make God laugh, he said, tell him your plans. And that's a good thought. I think sometimes we're so blind, we don't even see that there's another will at work. And that's one of the areas that we struggle. Look at verse 14. It reminds us of life's mystery. Our poor sight in verse 14, four simple words, you do not know. That's, that's the reorienting phrase that would help us in our planning. Just think about those four words, you don't know. You do not know. We think we do. We live like we do. But James is saying you're boasting about a tomorrow. You're boasting about a world that, that you may not see. You're boasting about a will that God may not have. Alexander White said it so well. He said, we tend to hang very heavy weights on very thin wires. I think that's us very heavy weights on very thin wires. And I think that's what the Lord has for us today to think about, dear friends. On this snow day, a day I didn't expect, a season I didn't expect, a COVID season I didn't expect, you and I need this message over and over again. God is sovereign. God is King. We must submit our will, our plans, our desires to His. And that truth is found all over the Word of God. Write down Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. It's the Lord who kills. It's the Lord who makes alive. We could spend a whole sermon series on that. There is a sovereign will over life and over death. It's the Lord who gives life. It's the Lord who takes life. And so consider that. Over in Job chapter 1, verse 21, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's the Lord who gives life. It's the Lord who takes life. Over in Proverbs 16, verse 9, man makes his plans, but it is the Lord's will that will prevail. You may have your plans, but we need to consider that it's God's will that's actually going to win out. Proverbs 27, verse 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. I think that's what, what James was being inspired by as he wrote this. Probably the verse that he had in mind was Proverbs 27.1. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. It's a good reminder, and I think we all ought to not only consider our personal eschatology, the day that we will die, the day that we will leave this earth, let's also consider that, that Jesus might come back today and we might be caught up in eternal things this very day, dear friends. We need to remind ourselves of that hope. Over in Revelation chapter, chapter uh, 1, the Lord Jesus is heard jingling the keys of death and hell, death and Hades. 
He's sovereign over life, over death, over the future return. So how do we plan our future? Well, we do it knowing that life is a gift, doing it knowing that one day all of this will come to an end. Either Christ will return or our own personal eschatology will happen where we die. And we need to hold our plans in life very lightly, realizing that life changes at light speed. Last night, we were planning to attend this morning. Today, it's a snow day. You could be out of a job next month. Your best friend could move away to another city tomorrow. A loved one could die. The economy could crash. Who dreamed that COVID-19 would go on this long? Family crisis could show up as early as today. And so we need to let those words really sink in. You do not know. You do not know. And that's, a, that's actually a very positive truth, too. Don't see that only in the negative. You know, this time last year, we were really short on pastors, those who would minister to the congregation. And I think about even all the hires that we've made this past year, children's ministry, youth ministry, care ministry, college ministry, um, adult ministry. Uh, we have made a ton of good hires to minister to the various needs in the congregation. And I think about where we were last year at this time, and I think about where we are this year. I've worked on a lot of good staffs. This is one of the best teams that I've ever had the privilege of being on. And I just think about all that God has done a year later. We don't know. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. And that's in the positive too. And so you and I can live in hope. Maybe as soon as a few weeks, many of the things that we struggle with will be over So we need to consider life's mystery. Number two, if you're taking notes, number two, we need to consider life's, or contemplate life's life's, uh, measure, excuse me. We need to consider life's mystery. We need to contemplate life's measure. There is a measure to life. There is a span to life that we don't often think about. Notice he, he really reorients our thinking in verse 14. He says, I want you to look at something. I want you to stare at something. I want you to consider your life. And he says it with this phrase, what is your life like? What is your life? What is your life? Just contemplate your existence. Contemplate your, your being. The one word that comes to my mind when I think about life is the word short. I mean, I think it's true. Every generation thinks that they'll live forever. Every generation thinks they're immortal. Every generation never considers that just around the corner is eternity. And I think that's a a weighty, heavy truth to consider on a day like today. Honestly, if you considered how short life is, I think it'd probably be very healthy for us. We need to, you and I need to contemplate the brevity of life. You might write that word down out to the side of your notes. Life is brief. Life is quick. In verse 14, we see just how quick it is. That Greek word atmos, it's the word vapor or a puff of smoke. It's a mist, a puff of smoke, an atmos, a vapor. And that's a very fascinating Greek word. It's the word of of steam off of a kettle. It's the word of, of just something that appears for a second and then it's gone. That command to consider life's brevity is all over the Bible. First Chronicles 29 verse 15, our days on earth are like a shadow, like a shadow. There's no abiding. Job 7, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. The next verse, it's a breath. 
Remember that my life is a breath, and that's what you and I need to remember. In Job chapter 9, my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. They go by like skiffs of a reed, like an eagle swooping down on a prey. Uh, I saw this, this hilarious YouTube video where uh, somebody had gotten a pet. I don't remember what it was, and they were playing with it in the backyard, and this eagle swooped down and grabbed the, plet, the pet and flew off. And I was like, that is a crazy video. And then I, I discovered, I think it was like, it wasn't real. I think someone had like created that uh, as like a, a deep fake or something where they faked the whole thing. But, but I thought, imagine that. Like imagine you're sitting there and you're playing with something in the backyard and then it's just gone. And, and it's just shocking. You're like, did that just happen? Life is quick. Life is short. Job 14, it says that, that man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5, Lord, make me know my end. What is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely, Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath, a mere breath, <gasps> just an in and an out, and it's over. Over in Psalm 102, verse 11, the psalmist says, my days are just a shadow, like a shadow. We need to remind ourselves of the measure of life. We need to, to make our plans knowing that you and I don't have an endless supply of tomorrows. That may be one of the main teaching points that I have for you today. Your life does not have an endless supply of tomorrows. Consider your existence. Consider your life. It helps us to not live with pride. In 2016, I was preaching this very passage at a men's breakfast, and I think I've told you this before. Um, just, just finished preaching the sermon, and as soon as I was done with the sermon, I, I just stood in the back, and I was talking with, with one, of my, one of our elders uh, at, at the church. His name was Matt, and um, as we were talking, we were just talking about how we really just don't know what tomorrow will bring, and unbelievably, his, his son was, was uh, living abroad, and he got the phone call that, that his son died that very day. It was, a, it was an unbelievable moment. It was just a brain aneurysm, and it was over, unexpected, no health issues. This wasn't something where the doctor had said, well, you got 10 months to live, or, or the doctor had given him a warning. He had a clean bill of health. He was fine. Everything was fine. And that very day, we were all just weeping together, just gathering to pray, just gathering to just pause and just Try to understand what just unfolded, and I don't think any of us really got it. Never dream, never saw that coming. We never dreamed that, that life would change in an instant. James is pulling us back in, and he's reminding us that life is limited and life is a mystery. We never dream any of those things the day before. And friends, that's how we need to hold on to this life. We need to hold it very lightly. I'll tell you, it makes me, it makes me appreciate many of the blessings that God has put in my life 
today I'm going to leave this room in just a few minutes and I'm going to go home and I'm going to find Caleb and throw him down on the floor and wrestle him. He's watching this right now, and so Caleb, you better be ready. I'm going to spend time with my wife and my kids. I'm going to sit around and drink coffee and talk with my wife because I don't know how many days I get, and I don't know what my future will be. And that's a healthy way to live life. That's a healthy way to exist. It's living every moment to the fullest. It's going to keep us from pride. We need to contemplate life's measure. We need to consider life's mystery. You don't know, and that's the problem. We often live like we do. You don't know. We need to contemplate life's measure. It's very short, very quick. And lastly, we need to consult life's master. This was the ultimate sin of these business guys in James chapter 4. They were, they were sort of pretending that they were the masters of life. And, and, and really, we need to live our life with an eye to the master, Jesus Christ. We need to live our life consulting the master that he has a will. In fact, in verse 15, it says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, not if I will, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. In Luke chapter 12, we, we hear that story of the man who's planned very well. I mean, he's, he's, he's bought, brought, up, brought in tons of crops, and he's building bigger barns, and he's piling up more stuff, and he's enjoying life. And he says to himself, look, I, I've got enough stuff now. I've got enough accumulated stuff that I can really, I mean, really enjoy, enjoy life. And, and the Lord comes to him and says, you fool. Your life, it's required tonight. The problem was he had presumed on a future that wasn't his to presume on. Notice what this text calls such presumption in verse 16. As it is, you boast, so it's boasting in your arrogance. All such boasting is what? Evil. It's evil. The word for boast here in the Greek, it's, it's a word for a quack salesman. It's someone, it's like, it's like the guy who is a traveling salesman and he's got the, the bottle full of the, the cure-all miracle elixir and tonic. You take it, it will cure any disease, any skin rash, any stomach problem. It's the word for a quack salesman. He's saying that's what you're like. You're like a quack salesman. Um, you're boasting powers that you don't have to make something happen. Over in Isaiah 40, 14, we get this word evil. He's saying all such boasting is evil. In Isaiah 14, verse 13, we see the fall of Satan from heaven. It's a very interesting passage, but this is the word that's used for Satan. And so what he's really saying is that your self-will, your self-demanding is actually your boasting. It's very similar to Satan's boast. It's very satanic. To live your life that way is not a small thing. You're embracing the sin of Satan. And so what's the solution in verse 15? Instead, we ought to say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. He's teaching us to make all our plans in pencil. 
And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did in Acts, and in, I'm sorry, in, in, uh, that's what the Apostle Paul did in his missionary journeys. Over in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 19, he said, I will come to you soon. How, what did he end it with? If the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. This is the phrase for the Apostle Paul. Over in 1 Corinthians 16, he says it again. I hope to remain with you for some time. I want to come. I want to be among you. I want to minister to you. And then he ends it with this reminder, if the Lord wills. He's submitting every one of his plans to a greater will. And friends, that's what we need to return to, especially as we make our big plans for our limited life. Now, as we close, let me just pastorally apply this uh, this passage to your life. How do, we, how do we take this, and how do we actually make some changes in our life that would glorify God? Now, get your pens ready. This is really important, and I think this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the application. Let's really receive these as from the Lord today. I, I think there's several things that this text directs us to do. Number one, if you're taking notes, we need to pray for God to direct every decision. We need to pray for God to direct every single decision. We need to, in all of our planning, like we get caught up in that this past week even on staff, on senior team, we, we were planning out our year and really we started this whole thing giving it over to the Lord. Lord, we make some plans, but we want our plans to be your plans and we don't want to get frustrated, angry, disappointed, disillusioned, depressed if those plans don't actually happen. And so, Lord, these are our plans, and we, we invite you to the table to change them. We hold them very loosely. Second, second application, I want to invite you to be flexible. I think that's what this passage is saying as one major application. Let's be flexible. On days like today, um, you can wonder, what's God doing uh, I really wanted to be with God's people. Uh, or, 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 or you could say, Lord, you're sovereign, and we'll have another week to gather next week. With COVID-19, you could say, you know what? I'm really frustrated over this. I'm angry over this. Or you could say, God, you're, you're sovereign. I'm going to just roll with the punches, and I'm going to trust that your plan is the A plan. And so I submit it unto you. Instead, we ought to say it like this, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. And it's okay if God changes our plans. Third, at this new year, I think one of the things this passage does for me is it forces me to change my perspective on life. I need to remember life is short. Let me just say that to you. Life is short. That's a good word for us as we're still in January. What are you spending your life on? Are you spending your life on the things that will count, or are you just on the hamster wheel of life? Are you just, are you just wasting your life? What are you spending your life on? That's where all of us, you and I, we have to remember this is a gift from God, but it's a short gift, and so, so I need to make sure that I'm living this life for His glory, that I'm not wasting it. Don't waste your life. If you were to die today, if today was your last day, would you be pleased with the life that you've lived? Would you be pleased with the investments that you're making? Jim Elliott said it well, wherever you are, be all there. Live your life. Don't put it off. Don't say, don't say, well, we'll just make that up later on in life. No, do it today. Do it today. 
Why? Because you may not have later on in life. Uh, Today's the day. Go wrestle your kids today. Go have a snowball fight today. Redeem the time. Redeem the time. And most importantly of all, of all the plans that you've made for this coming year and all the plans that you're making right now, I just want to say to our audience, which is extremely large on a day like today, where we not only have people from this church watching in, but we have people all over the area watching in with their family right now. Let me just talk to you. This is a very important moment. The most important decision that you have to make, the decision that will trump every other decision before you is what you will do with Jesus Christ. Will He be your master? Will He be your Lord? Have you made plans for eternity? In fact, the biggest mistake of this passage was man leaving God out of his plans. And and really, that's the biggest mistake that all people make before they die. It's that they've not made plans for eternity. It's that they've left Jesus out of their plans. And you need to hear the voice of God in this passage that if you've left Jesus out of your planning for your eternity, you're a fool. And God calls you out of that today. God calls you today with His glorious gospel. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it says, repent and believe the gospel. That's what Jesus said. Today's the day of salvation, to repent, to turn from your own self-willed life, your evil planning life, your, your life uh, that's, that is satanic in that sense, that you're self-willed, you're boasting and to give your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're watching in today, this is a very important moment, and maybe I'm speaking to this camera right now to someone very specific. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ for your whole eternity? Next week, we're going to be back into our sermon series, Defining Moments. And we're going to look at a passage about Jesus Christ. We're going to look at this glorious passage where Jesus is the only one that can cleanse us and bring cleansing to our life. Um, And so we want to invite you back. Actually, I think that's in a couple weeks. We have Mark Spence coming uh, soon for Life life Month, and so we want you to be here for that as well. But eventually, we're going to be back in, in Luke's Gospel. And as we get into that passage, what we're going to see is that Jesus is the only one that can make us right. Jesus is the only one who can cleanse us and clean us. And so today, what I want to do is I want to invite you to be cleansed by Jesus Christ. It says over in in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him might not perish but have everlasting life. The most famous verse in the whole world. That little word in is very important. It's the word into. It's the word ice in the Greek. That you, you would believe, you'd put your whole trust into Jesus Christ. That's that you'd believe into Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm calling you to do today. That you would place your entire eternity, your entire life into Jesus Christ. You do that by grace, through faith, and the grace of God has come to you today saying, repent of your sin and trust in Jesus. Won't you do that right now? Won't you do that today? You know, friends, one of the the men who, who changed my life 
at Dallas Seminary when I was, when I, as we close here was a man by the name of Howard Hendricks. And, you know, he was, he was a hero of mine. And as I had him for, uh, for class, he tells the story about a couple of young men in his ministry. I believe they were twins, but their father was in the ministry. I know I've told this story before, but I love it. And he asked the question, he said, boys, what do you remember about your dad? And the boys said, you know, the thing I remember about my dad before he went on to be with the Lord was that my dad would just take time and he would spend time with us. He would wrestle us. He would, he would just, we just had a great time together. He spent time with us. That always impressed me that, uh, you know, that's the way I need to live my life. I need to make time for my things that matter, knowing that tomorrow may not be there. The other young man said, when I was in high school, I had a paper route, and, and I remember walking past my dad's room. I remember walking past my dad every morning at five and seeing him on his knees praying for me, and I'd hear my name praying for me out loud, and that affected me. And both of those boys ended up being in ministry. Well, Prof told us that story, and, and then he looked at us, and he said, what will your children remember you for? What are your kids going to remember you for? Life is short. Friends, what are you spending your life on? Every moment is to be lived for the pleasure of Jesus Christ. And dear friends, let's not get frustrated. Let's not get angry. Let's not get upset. When your plans aren't God's plans, we hold them hand open and that's how we're going to live our life. Let's pray together as we close. The team's going to come back up, lead us in one more song. Uh, then I'll come back and give a benediction. We're going to celebrate communion together next week, and so be sure and come back Central Church next week. We'll have communion together next Sunday. And so let's gather together in prayer. Father, I thank You so much for this time. I thank You for changes to the plans that we made, Lord. We know that we can rest knowing that your plans are sovereign, your plans are good. Father, you are wise, you are right, you are holy. And Lord, we do not want to live our days evil. We do not want to live our days in satanic planning, proud planning, boasting planning. But Lord, we want to hold them out submitting them to you. And so, Father, I thank you for this chance to just reorient our thinking. As we plan a lot as elders and pastors in this church over the next year, Lord, I pray that you would just give us humility. Father, as we as the people of God of Central Church, as we move forward, I pray that, that you would give us a flexibility. That when our plans don't match your plans, Lord, we would say, blessed be the name of the Lord. We would learn to trust you. Father, I thank you so much that you're sovereign. It's so good. I love what Spurgeon said. He said, as the people of God, the sovereignty of God is the pillow on which the people of God rest our weary heads. And Lord, we do that today. We just, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the snow-covered ground that we as the people of God can rest our head on our sovereign King. And we can trust that life is not out of control, but we are caught up in your perfect plan. And so, Lord, convince us of that today. Let us live in the peace 
that you've called us to today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time together. We ask that you'd bless every soul that's watching this feed on Facebook or on the church website. Father, every single person that's engaged in this service, Lord, I pray you'd meet them where they're at right now. Minister to their hearts. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And God's people say it together. Amen.